Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Today, coming to you from Alternative Compassion Services, a medical marijuana dispensary here in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. I'm joined at the table today with Chris Liska. He is the production manager here, and basically, he is the guru. He is the guy that grows the stuff, makes the stuff, puts it all together, and understands what happens when it goes into your body. That's a lot of pressure, Chris. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of you. your busy day, and uh, I appreciate it. I'm going to put you right on the spot and sure. ask you a question that I need to know the answer of, uh, to, and I expect people who are watching this want to know the answer to this as well. Cannabis CBD versus hemp CBD. CBD being the anti-inflammatory component that is in the cannabis plant that a lot of people, a whole new industry is evolving and it's a legal product right. that can be sold over the counter. Industrially, industrial hemp has 0.04% THC in it. That supposedly is the minimum amount to activate the CBD. But I've been told you need maybe 1,000 milligrams a day for it to actually work for you. Let's go back to the original question. Cannabis CBD versus hemp CBD, what's the difference? Um, well, CBD as a molecule is CBD, regardless of where it originates. Mm -hmm. The main difference between cannabis CBD and hemp-based CBD is your source material. For one, a lot of the hemp CBD that's on the market right now was originally intended for textiles. So it didn't have to meet the same requirements that something that's going to be ingested does. So you run the risk of there being a lot more heavy metals, you run the risk of there being a lot more contaminants that can be in some of the hemp products unless they're certified, grown organic in the U.S., know the source material. If you know the source material of the CBD and it's made from CBD and then you have cannabis that's made from CBD, there really isn't much of a difference in that case. Um, it more has to do with the, um, how the cleanliness of the starting material. Um, what you're looking at with CBD is you're talking about the small amount of THC that helps kind of activate it. Or, right. And that, that's part of the kind of along the lines of the entourage effect because you've got cannabinoids that react with other cannabinoids. You've got terpenes that react with cannabinoids. So the interaction with right. all the chemicals means that you're going to get a different effect from right. where the CBD right. is extracted from. Exactly, and with uh, CBD that's extracted from cannabis, the, the, there's more of a likelihood that you're gonna have THC, CBC, a lot of the other cannabinoids that are you're not gonna find as readily in hemp, maybe CBG, cannabidrol is sometimes present in hemp in large amounts. Mm -hmm. um, so some of these cannabinoids can be sourced from different, different places, um, but then you're kind of reassembling the parts back together and you may not have the same synergy that you're gonna get when you actually engineer a plant from the way it's grown. Like the guys downstairs, they're looking at it from the perspective of, well, let's not, let's not extract everything. Let's find the plant that meets that criteria from, um, from a... Scientific? From a scientific standpoint yep. or from a uh, molecular standpoint. Okay. And then you're able to recreate that through breeding. Because through breeding, you're able, you're going to have a much more consistent product if you're able to have a plant that true breeds true for certain traits, whether it's terpenes or cannabinoids. So when it comes to cannabis, um, as opposed to the hemp CBD, I think what you're finding a lot with the cannabis CBD um, that's being created is it's being created in a much more controlled environment. It's usually grown indoors. Yeah. Um, 
it's also grown in an environment where we're trying to grow it for cannabinoids. We're trying to grow it for the oil or for extraction. And you're starting to see that more with hemp now, where hemp people are starting to realize, okay, there is a market for this, and I will be able to produce CBD, not just hemp. Because there are some hemp that's not rich in CBD. Some of it's just fibrous, contains a lot of fiber, contains terpenes, and some maybe some, some CBG. Yep. So it has to be the right source material in order for it to work. Um, you need to be a freaking chemist now, if you have a medical card, <laughs> to understand the different alphabet soup that's out there. With Now, everybody really? pretty much knows, even those who don't know, that THC is the psychoactive component in the cannabis plant exactly. that gets you high. Right. Okay? Right. And these days, the plants that are being grown have a tremendous amount of THC in it right. compared to the days of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Let's right. Just and say. I would say that's definitely um, something that happened. It was attributed to prohibition. Um, because of prohibition, just like we saw with prohibition of alcohol, um, the, the potency would increase and increase and increase. It's a lot easier to smuggle or hide something that's much more potent and small than it is large amounts of something. Are you going to smuggle beer or are you going to smuggle whiskey. hard liquor? Whiskey. Right, right. Are right, going to smuggle whiskey because right. it's easier? So the same kind of thing, I think, was what happened with, with cannabis. There was no market for CBD. People didn't really know anything about it at the time. Right. So it wasn't so much from a health standpoint as it was what gets people high. What is the commodity that you're selling? The commodity mm-hmm. they're selling at that time was THC. Mm-hmm. So now with you know, variants of different types of plants being available, we're starting to say, oh, well, we have plants that are, that are rich in cannabidrol, which we're finding now is very effective in treating interocular pressure in the eye. So there's... Um, That's other... the glaucoma. That, exactly. That has a good uh, response exactly. for people who have glaucoma. So they're starting to realize that a lot of these things that cannabis has been known for, like treating glaucoma, yeah. not every type of cannabis is good for that. And that's where they're starting to realize that not every plant's the same. They're like people. Right. You know, well, and, and of course, everybody has, and people are different too. Exactly. And, and what works for you, and you can take 100 milligrams a day, and you get, you know, with 5 milligrams, you're like right. freaked out. Right. And so, that's your endocannabinoid system right, right there. Right. Um, I mean, and our endocannabinoid system is a retrograde signaling system that is within our body that is, a by feed, the way, it's a feedback every, loop. It's in everybody's body. Everybody. Any, actually, animals, anything. Right. Um, and where our nervous system will, will help us react to stimuli and things of that effect. Mm-hmm. Our endocannabinoid system tells us, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's enough. You're not hungry anymore, or you are hungry. Um, it regulates a lot of different body systems. Mm-hmm. And what happens is if somebody has a lot of endocannabinoid signaling on their endocannabinoid system, they might not necessarily need or have the same effect when someone you, as someone else who doesn't have that when they use THC or any endocannabinoid agonist. And that's what it's doing. Is gotcha. It's causing more activity on the endocannabinoid system. Gotcha. Um, the uh, CBD is a partial um, antagonist. So it slows down communication in certain areas and within certain types of um, receptors. Gotcha. So the CB1 receptor, if I remember right, is the one that THC binds to and is responsible for getting high. Yeah. The latest research is showing now that CB, CBD binds to a different area on the receptor. So what they originally thought was that it was binding to the area that was had an affinity for THC. It was blocking it so that you couldn't get as high when, TA, when CBD was present. Yeah. What they're actually finding now is that it's binding to the receptor in a different area, mm-hmm. and it's modulating or controlling how much THC is available. 
to the receptor. So it more or less morphs and changes this, the shape of it in order to, uh, to establish how much activity is going on in the endocannabinoid system. Um, so it's the endocannabinoid system is everything, yep. really. And everybody's different. Right. Because we're everybody's human. different. Right. Exactly. And that's why, that's why the mantra of the industry is to start slow and low and go slow, or start low, go slow. And there's a lot, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Responsible use. Absolutely. What, and it's not dissimilar to responsible use of alcohol. People no. have to remember what it was like when they had their first drink. It, it makes a lot of sense from a scientific standpoint, too, because uh, cannabinoids, as a general rule, work on a bell curve, which means that you'll find that for symptoms or treatment of whatever you're, you're taking it for, you'll find an effect, the effectiveness of it was going to rate, going to come up with dosage to a certain point, and then it'll plateau. And then as you increase dosage, it's going to start to come down. So the effect will actually deteriorate. And in some studies, they've shown that high doses of THC will actually increase the pain response. So people will actually feel more pain given the concentration wow. of how it's stimulating and what it's doing. So a lot of that has to do with the correct dosage, dosage the correct formulation. Right. And starting low, you're going to get to the correct level of that bell curve. Gotcha. Um, it, so you're actually... A lot of people are using more cannabis than they need, and they're just wasting money, more or less is what's happening. Luckily, because of the way cannabis works, our endocannabinoid system, the receptors, just like I was showing with CBD, they shut down. They just stop reacting. They no longer react to an agonist if they get too much activity. Um, and that's what people kind of feel like, their cannabinoid burnout, where they just feel like, I can't get high because I've used so much stuff. Built up a resistance. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And what we're finding, particularly from a medical standpoint, is the side effects go away as you use a cannabis. So the side effects that you're seeing are, in most cases, um, f they're going away because of tolerance. Gotcha. So tolerance with cannabis is not necessarily a bad thing mm -hmm. because the tolerance you build to the side effects you still are going to receive a lot of the medical effects. The anti-inflammatory effects are still there. The um, anti-anxiety effects are still there. So a lot of these things are still present. Gotcha. Um, one thing that, it's a word that keeps coming up, and I know that there are people out there who aren't familiar with the word, uh, unless they've had a medical card or they're very well-versed adult users, and that's terpenes. Mm -hmm. What is a terpene? And what role does it play in the cannabis plant? Now, terpenes are um, they're aromatic hydrocarbons. They're, um, they're molecules that plants, and not just cannabis, a lot of plants, most plants, have as a defense mechanism against insects. Gotcha. Sometimes they can be to attract um, insects, to pollinate. To, they have different purposes. They either attract or repel. Mm -hmm. um, and these different compounds have effects on their own. Like a lot of people have just thought for the longest time, like from what I've talked to, is that, well, terpenes are just, they give it the flavor. Well, this that's is what, what I makes thought it was. OG. I, honest to God, I thought that's what it was. It was a flavoring Right, right. right. And, and while they do um, add to the flavor of what's going on in the cannabis plant, um, terpenes, in addition to uh, ketones, aldehydes, um, uh, flavonoids. There's a lot of other compounds that are in the same class as terpenes that have their own effects. Like, for instance, um, linalool, which is found in lavender. Um, they did studies with rats where they found that when they were exposed to linalool, smelling it, it increased their relaxation response. 
So they're able to determine that just linalool without any other compound involved in it has that, that effect. Gotcha. So that's why people have said for years, lavender helps you relax. Well, it does. Huh. They're finding that linalool is actually what's causing that effect. Are you, a, are you a science guy? I mean, were you a chemist growing up? I mean, because you know all this stuff. I'm a computer science guy, actually. Okay. I'm a programmer. Oh, great. Well, so another, kinda... another field I have yeah. no clue about, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you're totally freaking me out about your knowledge of all this. Um, explain to me the decarbol, decarboxylation process. Decarboxylation. Yep. Decarboxylation. Taking so, the carbon dioxide out of the plant. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly what you're doing. Woohoo! So when you look at um, didn't even know by the way that the can that the cannabis plant had carbon dioxide in it. I mean, I, mean, I had <laughs> no clue until I said, "Oh, you got to take it out." I was like, "What are you talking about?" That's actually one of the reasons why. Well, with before I get ahead of myself, uh, THCA and CBDA. Yep. Those are your acidic forms in the plant. That's the state that the cannabinoids are in the plant until it, it's converted to, to, to THC and CBD. Okay. And that can be done through heat, through drying, chemical processes. There's different ways that that can happen. Okay. Um, but decarboxylation is that process. Decarboxylation causes the THCA, in this case, or CBDA, to lose its carboxyl group. And what I mean by that is exactly what you said. It loses its carbon dioxide. So once it loses that carbon molecule, molecule and that oxygen molecule, yep. it now becomes THC. Pure THC. Correct. And that's why when you see something might be 98% THCA, but only 88 or 89% THC, when the conversion's done, you lose weight because that carbon dioxide has weight. Interesting. So then that's, these are the kind of things that I'm dying to understand because I, you know, you look at the medical label on it and it has the breakdown and I'm like, right. okay, THC is X percent and CBD is X percent and what's this THA, CB, I, you know, they throw right. A's after it and it's like, I'm totally confused. But I, right. I, I told, you're, you're creating a pure product. Right. And it gets you higher? Um. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, it's a what, different what type of high? It is. It's okay. very, it's gotcha. very short-lived. Um, gotcha. It's, it's, it's a rush. It's intense. It's a rush. Exactly. Uh -huh. Without the presence of ketones, aldehydes, terpenes, and all those other goodies, yeah. you get a flash um, of cannabinoids, and they don't cross the blood-brain barrier as effectively as they do when in the presence of terpenes and other, other compounds that are in the plant. Yep. And that's the entourage effect. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.